Welcome listeners, this is Jonathan Yamasaki, founder and co-host of Go Entrepreneur Yourself. The name of this podcast speaks for itself. We empower you with digestible, inspiring, and valuable content on starting your own business. Our show stands for empowering future and current entrepreneurs to stop dreaming and start entrepreneuring, which means to take that leap, take that first step on your idea as, to, as opposed to just sitting there. Not only are you gaining valuable advice on starting your business, but you have the opportunity to connect with some of our entrepreneurs. Now let's hear from today's diverse entrepreneur, Adam Meguest, also goes by the name Adam with two M's at the end, raised in the South side of Chicago, made his way into the entertainment industry as an influencer photographer, working with almost every model agency and being named top fashion photographer in Chi-Town, led him to move to LA to work with some of the biggest TikTok creators at the TikTok Hype House. As he was creating content for TikTok moguls and increasing his social capital, that is when he realized the early benefits of artists moving their music through various social media platforms and creating an industry around connecting artists with creators that already enjoyed using music around their content. Hence, Rapid Launch Media was born. His company has done over $2 million in revenue in just the past year and a half. Adam was one of these first early adopters in the entertainment industry to identify that TikTok is the future of promoting music for artists. And because of this, Adam and his company have turned dozens of songs into viral worldwide hits. Songs like Let Me Know by Little Zell, Stunned by Curtis Waters, uh, Trolls by Takashi69 and Nicki Minaj, and has worked with song campaigns for musicians like Don Tolliver, Tory Lanez, Buster Rhymes, Anderson Pack. Yes, Lord. Adam has definitely made a name for himself, a successful entrepreneur due to his creative approach, broader perspective, and deep understanding of the internet world and trends. Adam, thank you so much for coming onto our show. Hey, thanks for having me, Jonathan. Of course, of course, man. So we want our listeners today to learn about the story of your success, any marketing secrets and gems that you can give to them and share with us, the future of TikTok along with the music industry and business. But more specifically, we want to reveal some of those raw truths and hardships of creating and maintaining a media company. As always, at the end, we save it for leadership questions. Uh, so our audience can expand their outlook on leading their business. So before we dive in, Adam, we want to run a segment with you called Human It's. And in this segment, we're looking for honest and human responses to a few rapid fire questions. What do you say? Are you ready for some human It's, Adam? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. So tell me, favorite place you have traveled to and why? But it can be already on your YouTube channel. <laughs> okay, got it, got it. Um, I'll pick a, I'll pick a recent one. I visited the Cannes Film Festival this past summer, and the south of France is beautiful. I've lived in Paris, and the south of France is just a completely different vibe. It's, uh, you know, the architecture is, like, a little bit different. The, the lifestyle is very different, and you have these, like, really nice coastal towns. You have, uh, you know, it's just, it, I guess the, the French people there are a little bit nicer than they are in Paris. But uh, yeah, you know, it, was, it was beautiful. The The nightlife was different. They had these really nice clubs. They had a lot of space and, and they had this uh, sort of like a 70s retro vibe to it. Um, yeah, so that was a really cool experience was to check out the south of France for the first time. If you had the opportunity to be in another reality show, which one would you like to be on? So I was actually, I was a finalist in the casting process for Survivor. 
honestly, I look back on it now, like I'm not a super outdoorsy person, but I'd like mentally prepared myself to do it. And like, I don't know if I could do it anymore. Like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would after, you know, like the past couple of years I've kind of improved my lifestyle. Like, I don't know if I could go from living in nice places to living in, uh, on an Island anymore. Um, so yeah, I would say, I mean, I would say like the answer would have been survivor, but now I think, I think something like the, the challenge, like MTV is the challenge. I think that one's great because it has that aspect of survivor where you are competing for money or doing these challenges, right, but you also right. get to live in a really dope mansion and you know you have other like castmates who are like attractive and they're also like the past season was really diverse they took uh some top people from the top shows around the world and so that'd be cool to live with a bunch of people from around the world in a nice house yeah for money yeah that's awesome so tell us if you had to choose one crypto to stand the test of time which one would it be oh i'm excited about this one yo hbar hedera hedera hashgraph known as hbar I got into that, like, I want to say either late 2020 or early 2021, but a little over a year ago, I got into it around 11 cents and it 5X'd for me. It it got up to 57 cents as as an all-time high. I think that's just the beginning. This is one that Uh Kevin O'Leary has famously uh, said is in his portfolio right now. Elon Musk is looking at this one. I mean, it's the greenest of all the of all the cryptocurrencies. It doesn't use any of the the methods that Bitcoin and, and the other ones use. So I think HBAR uh, has a governing council of Google, Boeing, IBM. Wow. Uh, the biggest companies you can think of in the world. So I think this is one that is going to be, it, it's already 34th biggest crypto in the world. I think it's going to be top 10. Uh, within the next year and probably top five within the next year <laughs> so you got that listeners h bar buy right now adam's saying yeah. it's a buy <laughs> so that was few minutes with adam thank you so much adam walk us through what you did before becoming an entrepreneur okay so i i was taking the i took the safe route in life which was like going to college i don't really regret it i mean it was something like you know i came from a family like my parents my mother specifically, like she really wanted me to go to college and I didn't have a problem with that. Like I always knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. I always knew I didn't want to sort of work in a job and build my way up. But I was like, you know, I'm fine with going to college, getting a degree. And honestly, in my college, I went to the University of Illinois. Um, I had a great time there. Like it was just really fun. Uh, so I don't regret going there. Um, I, I was in a frat. You know, we had really cool, cool things to do on campus. I met a lot of cool people that became lifelong friends, uh, people who I still work with, people who I've met randomly that like, you know, five years out talking, then we reconnected and we've done some really great things. So I went to college, University of Illinois, I graduated and basically I worked in corporate America for about a year or two. I, I was actually in management for Abercrombie and Fitch. I'd worked through high school and even like for one year in college. And they're the only company, fun fact, that you have to have a four-year degree to work for them and they're in retail. I think they are the only retail company where you have to have a four-year degree to be a manager. Wow. I was just wow. there yesterday, actually. Really? Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I was yeah. the same company. So I worked there for a little bit. That was, I mean, honestly, it was fun. I mean, we just like, you know, we, we just kind of, it, it wasn't a hard job and, you know, I got to uh, work down there 
by my university. So it was kind of like a fifth year at school, just sort of like a victory lap, whatever, where, but I was actually making money. So I did that. Um, I worked for another company brief for, for about a year, just doing like helping uh, that we, we help students get scholarships, whatever. But long story short, like I worked two, two jobs out of college that were just regular corporate America jobs. And at some point I was like, I, I took the money I made from those jobs and I reinvested them. So I, I reinvested the money into real estate, into also starting this like small company where I'd help people grow on Instagram. So basically from those investments, I was able to turn those side ventures into enough where I was getting like $2,000 a month from them from my rental property and from this little side hustle of like had a couple people paying me like one or $200 a month just to like help them grow their Instagram. And so I looked at it and I was like, okay, two grand is enough for me to pay rent, pay my car note, and then like have a a little bit of money to eat. And then whatever else on top of that, I'm just going to have to hustle. And so that's what I did. I, I, um, I use that money to pay my, the important stuff. And then I just hustled. I started, doing photography full time. Uh, you know, I started, you know, charging to, to shoot and make a little bit of money from there. Started doing my YouTube channel, was making a little bit of money from YouTube AdSense, uh, and then just kind of making content just all around and stuff like that. That's kind of how I grew. Uh, and basically that kind of is how I became a photographer on Instagram. I started shooting with like a lot of the local modeling agencies in Chicago. I mean, I was shooting with models who were with some of the bigger agencies, just, you know, doing their test shots, which were, you know, featured on websites like Ford, like Wilhelmina. And so that's kind of what I did. And and I parlayed that into working with influencers in Chicago, which then I parlayed into getting invited to shoot uh, for concerts like Chance the Rapper and all that sort of, you know, got me to the point in 2019 where I'm like, there's not really anywhere else for me to go. Like when you shoot all the models in Chicago, you shoot all the the influencers in Chicago and you shoot Chance the Rapper, there's no there's no one else. There's no one left to collab with. So I was like, I got to go out to L.A. And, and that's what kind of made me start that venture and, and got me out to L.A. and, and, and how I got, uh, you know, had my start in the TikTok community, getting invited to Hype House by uh, Thomas Petro. And eventually shooting with with uh, with the hype house and then the sway house. And- like, what was that moment when when you decided like L.A. is going to be the place? This is going to be the new place where I start. Like, what was it in your in your mind that process that you were going through to make that connection? Yeah. So, look, uh, a piece of advice I give to the listeners here is I'm definitely not the type of person of just blindly pick up and move and hope it works out. I take calculated risks. You definitely do need to to take risks to be successful, but I think they should always have some calculation to them. What I mean by that is instead of just picking up and moving to LA, what I did was I I saved up money and I would take these two-week trips to LA. So basically starting in late 2018 and all through 2019, I think I took a total of like four or five like two-week trips to LA. And what I would do is I would hit up a ton of people on Instagram and I would say, hey, look, I saw that, you know, people in like Team 10, people who just put out music and they were, you know, their music was blowing up, people who were working on Netflix shows, like people in entertainment in general. And I would DM them and I would just say, hey, look, I'm going to be in L.A. for a couple of weeks. Let me know if you'd like to shoot. You know, you don't have to pay me. I just want to get my work out there and meet some more people in entertainment. 
And so if I reached out to a couple hundred people, maybe only like 15 of them would reply. And maybe I ended up shooting with like 10 to 12 of those people. But doing that four or five times over the course of a year and a half, got like 40 or 50 people in my network in LA. So when I, when, when I first really started to think about moving to LA, I hit up someone, you know, Thomas Petro was one of those people I hit up uh, and I shot with him before he started Hype House. You know, when I was really considering moving to LA, I took one more of these small little trips and Thomas was like, hey, I'm working on this new house. We're going to call it the Hype House. Like you should come by and meet everyone. Feel free to shoot, whatever. And so, you know, I come in, I came into the Hype House like two weeks before they officially launched. Everyone was there, you know, like Bryce Hall, Nick Austin, Addison Ray, Lil, you know, like all, all the people who are big now, they were just there chilling. Yeah. And it was one of those things where I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I was like, these like everyone here is pretty cool. Like the videos that they're making on TikTok with these transitions, like that's really that's really dope. I haven't seen that before. I think this is the future. And that was really like, it was, it was December of 2019 where I was like, I think this is about to be big. And I was like, I really want to like work with all these people, like shoot with all of them and like kind of invest my time into to this. And that's how I started my network and how I started getting my footing out to LA. So listeners, take heed to his advice because he, it's very practical. It's like when you go out to network, you definitely have to put in the ground, put in the work and understand that same same as like sales when you're going to ask 50 people you're going to get like people are not going to respond people are going to say no whatever that is and you're going to get like one or two yeses and then just really work on those but continue to do that over time i, I love how you talk about that how you just like every every other weeks right you would go to to build those relationships and even if you have to like give your free time and build that portfolio because it's still going to be something good to put for yourself to build yourself so then rapid launch media you told us the aha moment of how that business kind of came about. Now, I guess talk to us about like the very early stages of creating that uh, media company. What what was it like talking to some of those TikTok influencers and some of those connections you made from artists? Yeah, yeah. No, I got some. I got some good stories about this. So, the starting the company, it honestly came from very practical reasons. I was shooting, you know, like I said, I started I started shooting with some people in the Hype House. Thomas ended up hiring Bryant, the the Instagram photographer, to be the official Hype House photographer. And I had become friends with a guy named Nick Bean, who was one of the people who helped start the Sway House with Bryce Hall and all them. So Nick Bean has saw my work. He was like, yeah, man, he's like, your pictures are dope. Like we're starting this house. It's going to be like kind of hype house, but all, all the hot guys and in, in TikTok. And I was like, all right, cool, man. Like we'll start TikTok for a house. That's fine. And so I came in and shot with them and things with the, the Sway house went really well. You know, I got Josh Richards, his first photo with a million, with a million likes on it. Um, I was growing, going to really cool events with them and then just started dabbling with other houses. I had gone over to clubhouse for a little bit. And basically things were, were kind of going up and up and up and then COVID hit. So this was literally all this happened from between December 2019 up until like March or April of 2020 when COVID got really bad. And so I literally picked up from LA and I drove back to Chicago because, you know, this is when we didn't know if the world was going to end or not, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like, you didn't know, like if you got COVID, if you were just 
I like it. You know, it was the really early stages. So I went back to Chicago and I was like, okay, photography is not a viable profession anymore. Like you can't be in the same room with people. How the fuck, you know, how am I going to like, <laughs> also can yeah. I curse on here? I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, it's explicit. You can curse. You're good. Okay, cool. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to you know, fucking like shoot with people anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. So long story short, I was like, I should figure out a way to utilize my connections that I've made in the social media world and sort of come up with a business model where I can utilize that without physically being with people. And so it's like you said, I had sort of seen the writing on the wall with music as well. I'm like, I went to a, a bachelor party with some of my friends who were a little bit older, like late 20s. And I'm like, all the songs they're listening to are TikTok songs that my friends who are like early 20s and TikTokers are listening to. If these two groups of people are listening to the same thing, then it's all stemming from the same place. It's all stemming from TikTok. And so that was when I was like, okay, I've met a couple people in the music industry. I met a guy named Chris Anakute who uh, he was Katy Perry's A&R. So the guy who kind of helped her get her, her look and sound and everything. And he was starting to work with new artists and he was one of the first people I went to. I was like, yo, man, like, I really think TikTok's going to be the future of music, moving music. I could just pay some of the TikTokers I know. Give me a budget. I'll negotiate it with them. I'll try to get you as many of them to post as possible. Use most of the budget. You know, try to take just a tiny little profit for myself and then see if I can expand this and keep going. And he was one of the first people to say yes, as well as the team for uh, this artist named Lil Zell, who did LMK. So Lil Zell, LMK, and and Stunning by Curtis Waters, who his manager was that guy who used to work with Katy Perry. These were the first two people I worked with. They started off with like 5K budgets. I was like, let's just test it out. And so I started, uh, I started just getting micro-influencers. So people with a couple hundred K on TikTok up to a million. Right. And I started putting like enough of them on there where we were like, I hired like 10 influencers. And then the next day we had 50 new videos made. And then I put another 20 influencers on there. Then the next day we have 500 videos made. And so the reason for people who don't understand how TikTok works is the more people that make videos to the song, the more viral that song is going to go. And so... If you have every day a new person making a video, that means all their followers are making are hearing that song. And then some of their followers are like, wow, this is a cool song. This is a cool video. Let me make a video. And it kind of that's where the virality comes from. <laughs> so next thing I know, I'm working on these projects. We got LMK by Lil Zell has shot up to 3000 videos made after just like two weeks of having only hired maybe like 30 or 40 creators. And so that was the point where, here's a fun fact about me. I get most of yeah. my really good ideas when I'm in the shower. <laughs> and I, I think Damn. the reason is, I think the reason is, is like, that's one of the only times of the day where I'm disconnected from my phone. I'm really yeah. just kind of alone. The, the water coming down is very serene. And I mm. can really like think. And I had this idea. I was like, yo, like I've put a lot of like, decently big micro people on here but i met addison ray uh and her dad monty me and her dad monty had yeah. actually become kind of close we'd hung out at like a couple different events and i had his number and you know this is like addison was already about to start getting one of the biggest agents in the industry but i right. still had her dad's number and i'm like 
maybe I should call Monty and see if I could get Addison to do this LMK song. Anyway, I called them. I negotiated a price for her that was a little bit under her market rate at the time because you know, right. was, you know my clients weren't sure about TikTok. I was a new company. I was like, look, just give me a, like, don't, don't tax me, bro. Like, just give me a little bit under your market rate and I'll get it done. Anyway, I paid Addison and she, she got on the song within a couple days. This song had 10,000 videos made, 20,000 videos made till eventually we had a hundred thousand, over a hundred thousand people made a video to this song. And this song is shooting up on its, on Spotify. So went from, couple hundred thousand streams to couple million streams it broke 10 million streams and then it was just up and up and up right i mean we're already talking into it um but i'll definitely let you finish uh what you're saying but we'll get into it because i i definitely want to know that process of how you vet artists that are like coming into you saying hey can you connect me with someone that could help my music blow up but yeah finish yeah. your story first because this, this is amazing so, this is crazy <laughs> yeah so i mean these were i didn't really get connected like i moved to la and if you live in la if you're active if you're going to parties if you're networking the right way i don't go out looking for specific people i just go out looking for cool people who who have cool friends cool people usually have cool friends and so i met the people who i know who were the managers of Lil Zell, they were people I knew back from Chicago. And then the, the one who saw Katy Perry, he I met him through a guy named Tony De Niro. And I just told Tony, I was like, look, I think I want to blow up music on TikTok. If you know anybody in the music industry, like just let me kind of pitch them, let them know what I'm working on. And I got connected with them. And, and it was very straightforward. I was like, look, I'm not going to really take a profit on these. I just want to do a case study. I just want to see if this works. And then if it works, I can, I think I can blow up a business around it and I can hook you guys up in, in the future when, you know, once yeah. I get this. What are they going to lose out of it? It just doesn't exactly. work, right? It's, I was like, yeah. Well, I mean, I was, I was giving them, I mean, they, they put trust in me. I mean, they started True. off with 5k, they started with five to 10k, which like in the music industry, it's not like a ton of money, but I mean, it's still no, a lot of money. You know what I mean? It's still like to that. For you starting point. off. Yeah. Yeah. For me starting off, it's like still, you know, it's take some trust to give someone five to 10k. Um, and that's pretty much what happened, man. It, it, it just kept going up and up. The Addison Rae uh, feature blew it up. It was definitely one of her top liked videos at the time. I mean, I think it got like somewhere between like five or 10 million views, millions of likes. And um, they did, you know, they followed up with some videos talking about it, which kept the algorithm going. On the Curtis Water side, he he did something really smart. And this is something artists, if you're listening to this, he did something really smart. It takes a lot of work if you're an artist. He took his song, he made up a little dance to it, and he would post and just be like, he would do the dance, and on on screen there would be text. It would just be like, hey, I'm Curtis Waters. I'm from North Carolina. This is my song, Stunning. Like, would love if you, like, checked it out, whatever. And it was very, it was very pure. It was very authentic. Yeah. And he did it consistently. He did this dance and posted every day, I think, for, like, two or three months. So he posted like 60 to 90 videos and just very authentically put his music out there and showed people he was an artist, showed people he wasn't like an industry plant. And we, <laughs> you know, he drove a little bit of a spark to the song just from that. And so when I came in and put my uh, put the influencers on it, the influencers came on like gasoline to, to the spark that he created. 
Yeah. And so, you know, I got some really big people on that one. That one I used um, an influencer named Just Maiko. So he's got like 50-something million followers on TikTok right now. He's actually just in the new Spider-Man movie. Uh, he's the guy, like when they were walking to the high school, one of the people on the sidelines, like he's, he's one of the top TikTokers in the world. I think the okay. second or third most followed guy in the world on TikTok. But, uh, yeah, so he blew it up that his video did well, got like, again, like five plus million, uh, views, millions of likes. And that really sort of created this, it solidified the trend where people would change their clothes after on the beat drop. And, and, and it was just yeah. a really cool trend that everyone liked. So then, because this is the notion, I want you to demystify things that people could assume in the LA life, right? Mm-hmm. You hear people say, you know, when you're there, you got to be flashy. You talk like you're the shit pretty much and like act like you you know what you're talking about. Or that's kind of what, what happens a lot when, when they hear that you go there. But what you're telling me now sounds very different than some that is like you when you say cool, do you mean like genuine? Like you're a genuine, good human being, but you're also fun and charismatic, a good person to be around. Because I'm sure that trust for sure helped to build those connections and you networking, that is a skill that you have. But did will you say that something about you? Like, what was that? Was that, you know, just being genuine? And um, what was that about being cool that helped make those collaborations? Did you know what? Um... LA is a weird place because I see people who are not genuine and who are sort of like false and flashy make it too. So I wouldn't (laughs) say, so my point is like, I don't think there's one specific way. I would think that you wouldn't want to be like an asshole. Like, you know what I mean? And and look, cause there's, there are different types of assholes. Like I've definitely like my, my radar for bullshit has gotten better after living in LA. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that I'm an asshole a lot, but there are times where I'm talking to people and I know they're bullshitting and I like cut a conversation short and like, I'll do stuff like that. But like, there are people who think that being a literal prick, like a literal asshole, just, or like Mm -hmm. acting that they are more than what they are or acting like they understand stuff more than they do, that that's going to get them far. And I think it works for them in certain situations, but in other situations, right. I think it bites them in the ass. And so right. same thing when you're, you know, like when you're, when you're genuine, like me personally, I came in there, I was like, I'm going to be genuine. I told everyone straight up, like, Hey, I don't know for sure exactly how this is going to work. I'm with 80% confidence. Like I know what I, I think I know what I should do. Yeah. And you're trusting me with like to do sort of a test. And I think being genuine and telling the first people I worked with that made them trust me more yeah um and, and that's why we you know i still have a relationship with all those people like you know lil zell his team you know chris anakute who you know was the manager of uh or who is the manager of curtis waters and stuff like that they still work with me to this day just because right. you know there was never any there was never any bs so to demystify right. it i would just say I would recommend being genuine. You know, you got to be genuine, but you got to also learn. You got to be learning every day. And yeah. You got to bring value. That That's the best advice I would give people is you want to bring value. The thing is that you don't want to go out and talk to someone who's done all this really dope shit and who's succeeded out in LA and just mm. go there and ask them for help or go there and ask them like, oh, how'd you do this? Like, do you think you can introduce me? Like, whatever. Like, Right, that's right. not good. 
you want to go to them like I met these people a couple times before I even talked business or anything with them because I just wanted to get, get to know them, get to know what they were working on. And then I went home and I was like, how can I provide value to these people? Yeah. Because these markets and these industries are very different. People in the music industry do not know TikTok for the most part. They don't know TikTokers. And I was one of the people that I was like, I could bridge that gap. My value could be instead of them going through like Flight House. So Flight House is one of the, the first people to do this whole promoting your music through TikTok. Mm-hmm. But they were also like prohibitively expensive. At some point they were like, we're not going to take anything less than 25K. And right. so I came in and I was like, how can I take smaller artists who may only have like five or 10K and provide value to them. And I just figure out my own business model. Yeah. I got a proprietary system that has worked and we do a lot of stuff better than some of the other big people in the game. And I would say my company's probably like top five for sure. And I, I think mm-hmm. there's really only like 10 people who do it well. And my company's probably in the top five, probably even top three. Yeah. That's that's awesome that you being the underdog coming from you know South Side of Chicago doing all this that's that's awesome work Adam I'm I'm really proud of you just kind of you talking through this because a lot of people that listen to the show identify similar background as yours or look the same as you and for them to see that this something like this is possible and it's funny because it's circling back to like you having also a college education not that the college education you need that in order to do some sort of business like that it helps. But the way you describe it, oh, I just did a case study. Oh, I'm always learning. Oh, I'm just kind of like trying something out. I think that really encompasses that that mindset of just like always providing value, but also uh, being willing to learn. So I want you to, this segues into something more about your business now, Rapid Launch Media. Talk to me about a few setbacks. I know you mentioned like COVID-19 was something that kind of yeah. set you guys back, but that's also what created the company. So while creating this company, talk to us about, a few setbacks and maybe what could be done to avoid them or overcome them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I will tell you like the two biggest like downturns in the company were the most unexpected stuff that you can never plan for. And I think, you know, back to what you just said, the reason I stress so much, always be learning, always be thinking about if the current model that you have disappeared tomorrow, what you could do to still bring revenue to the company and value to other people. That's the most important thing because when I had these, these two setbacks, that's what really got me to the point where I was like, okay, this company could be gone tomorrow. And if I don't have something ready, then like I'm going to go from like 50 to hundred K a month in revenue to zero. And so I'll, I'll tell you the first one, which like you wouldn't really expect COVID was actually good for business. That that helped because, I mean, we're a digital company. Everyone was home. What screwed us was something I didn't see coming from a million miles away because of how much out of left field it was. It was actually when George Floyd got killed. So George Floyd getting killed and that sort of creating the whole national movement with, you know, on top of that, the Breonna Taylor stuff. Everything shut down. Here's why. We obviously had national unrest. We had not only the riots, which were the bad part, but also the the walks and the the marches in the street and everything that was for, you know, Black Lives Matter to 
in police brutality, artists didn't want to be dropping music at a time mm. like that. Right. Makes sense. So like artists, all the artists, you got to understand my company is based on every time an artist drops a single, we get potentially new business before or after they drop that single. So for literally probably a month or two, all of the record labels, all the artists were like, it's kind of a dick move to be dropping a song and doing like promo for a song when yeah. the whole nation is like hurting right now. Yeah. And so we literally like one month, I mean, we literally went almost to like zero, zero dollars in revenue. Pretty much everything we had that we were supposed to get didn't come in. Everything got pushed back. Artists didn't want to be promoting their music. And then also TikTokers were also like, you know, do we really want to be like doing TikTok dances at a time like this? So we kind of shut yeah. down. That makes sense. Yeah. And so the second time was when Trump just was like, okay, we're banning TikTok. Fuck you guys. You know, <laughs> it was like, like yeah. you see that coming. It was, um, yeah, like mid to late 2020 out of nowhere, all of the Trump and all the Republicans and I mean, even some Democrats, they were like, uh, like this TikTok app, like China has all the data, like we're, we're shutting it down. You know what I mean? And so I was like, okay, if tic- like I run my whole company on TikTok. So that was the point where I was like, okay, this is twice in probably like four months where, you know, the company, all the revenue just shot down because also companies were like, we don't want to pay for a TikTok campaign if TikTok gets shut down the next day. Right, right. And, And so what that did for me is it really made me start thinking ahead and, and it was good. All this adversity was good long term for the company because now I don't run the company based on the current model. I run the company based on if the current model dies tomorrow, what else can we do to bring in a similar amount of revenue? And I have safeguards in place so that the company will be able to still generate revenue and have clients doing other things if if these things don't work out. And Mm -hmm. so um, those are the things I learned from. And, you know, I started testing Instagram reels, you know, I started figuring out other ways to move music that weren't just the same that I had always been doing. Yeah. And I think that's smart. That's a very practical way of looking at it. Like you said, safeguarding, looking back at your business models and really asking yourself that question, is my business obsolete if this happens, if this happens? Like, what can I do to still be able to, at most, right, feed myself, pay the bills, pay my employees, because I'm sure maybe you had a team or somebody that helped you or pay yourself, right? Because uh, sometimes a lot of entrepreneurs that I bring on, they're like, yo, I pay everyone out first before me. Like there's days when I'm just like, ah, I just got to, I'm just getting some ramen, go back to college days, or, or I'm just going to, uh, I might stay with my family for a bit just to save up and, and not spend money. So I appreciate you sharing that. I think uh, now that everything happened, how was it going back into TikTok after the, a lot of the riots that were going on during the Black Lives Matter movement, but also the marches? And as well as like Trump saying that, okay, TikTok, no, it's, it's China, like remove it from here. Like, how did you all bounce back after, after that month of zero revenue? Um, I mean, look, I think the one good thing about my company is that because it's digital, the company can be run fully online. We don't have much overhead. I think if, you know, if I had created it like five years ago, I probably would be like screwed or I probably would have been more screwed because I would have probably gotten an office. I would have probably done a lot of things that would have put a lot of overhead on the company. 
So to be honest with you, it didn't, things kind of just went back to normal pretty quickly because I mean, I had enough money on the back end, like saved up to still pay my employees. And we, we don't really have any overhead. Like my overhead is, is just my employees. Basically we don't have an office, you know, we weren't buying, you know, we weren't weren't buying this like crazy expensive stuff or whatever. So um, things just kind of went back to normal. But it obviously stuck with me. But because yeah. because we are a fully digital company with at one point, I just had two employees and then uh, now we have like five. Yeah. So I want to take us now um, to questions more specific about the marketing and leadership. You, you kind of talked to us a little bit about marketing, but explain the science behind it, the science or the pro- the process of, of your business. I think I remember... On your website, there was like a like four phases of when an artist wants to goes to you and wants to consult. Hey, Adam, what can you do to help me get my music out there to larger audiences? Walk us through that that process, and maybe any like marketing gems that would be really beneficial for artists. You feel comfortable sharing with that could be really beneficial for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I've always been the type of person who's like, I overshare. But it's like not like as a mistake, like I do it on purpose. Like I want to, you know, even if someone tried to start a competitive business with me because I told them the secrets to my business, like, you know, whatever, like at the end of the day, like I think, you know, the clients, like I said, the clients who work with me are going to, you know, I think they're going to stick with me because of the relationships we have. Um, so like, I'm cool at telling all the secret of what I do and how I do it, because I think it's a greater good. And I also think that if someone was able to blow up their music or start a business based on the the information that they learned from me, I'm like, it, you know, it, it's karma. It's like if, if, you know, maybe, maybe down the line, they're like, Hey, I, t- I heard some advice from you to help me start a company. I'd rather have that good karma and uh, come over to me. So uh, basically the, for, for musicians, plain and simple, if you're not making videos on TikTok you're wasting the biggest free resource you have to blow up your music. So it doesn't matter. I mean, I, like I, I, I think I mentioned this to you on our call, but I've, I've gotten on the phone with Busta Rhymes himself and just bitched at him until he <laughs> got up and made a TikTok. Like I was on the phone with him for like 30, I feel 40. like he's, a, he's more of an old head, so it's definitely harder to convince. <laughs> and that's why. That's why I use him as an example because, I mean, he is, a, you know, he's, He's a uh, an elder statesman. He likes yeah. to call it. That's what he, that's what he refers to him and people in his in his circle, like the the other rappers in his generation. He calls them elder statesmen. But <laughs> he uh, he was a really cool dude, and he talks exactly how you would think he talks. Like, yo, okay, so we uh we got to go up in there, you know, and like have, you know exactly that's how you would think flows about. this conversation. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, but. You know, I'm like, if I if I can get Busta Rhymes to make a TikTok, like, there's no way, there's no reason that you with, you know, 4,000 followers and 30,000 streams shouldn't be making TikToks, you know? If you think you're too good for it, like, if it's not too good for, for Busta Rhymes, like, you, you know, you're not too good for it. Like, humble yourself. Doesn't matter how big, if you're, if you're, if you're Beyonce, it doesn't matter if you're, like, a brand new artist. I think every artist should be making music on TikTok. That's, that's the main point. Once you once you get on there, the next step is to figure out the song you want to blow up and focus on that one song. The game is not played with with EPs or or albums anymore. It's a single game right now. 
come up. You should look, you should treat every single you put out essentially as a, as a new album. That's how all the people who know who know what's going on are acting in the industry right now. Um, you know, the people who can put out albums are like Drake, you know, like The Weeknd, like all the big people like, yeah, they can put out albums because they have a big enough fan base. But if you're a newer artist, like don't waste your time, like put all your time and effort into one song, go through that song, figure out what time clip you want to use. And, right. you know, like I said, I tell everybody, like, look for like a 10 to 15 second snippet and something that you think is going to resonate, whether it's the lyrics, whether it's how the production is, whether it's like just how it sounds to you, whatever. Pick something that resonates and then figure out a trend that's going to go with it. That's yeah. what my company does. It, it My company does all this stuff for the artists and for their for their management teams, for the record labels. You know, we work with, with everyone across the music industry spectrum. We, we get the song, you know, we, we can listen to a couple songs from an artist or from the label and we'll say, this is the song we think you should go with. This is the snippet we think we should go with. This is the trend we think we should go with. Like we actually create the trend from scratch between like my in-house team as well as some of the influencers that we contract out. You know, we all sort of brainstorm. And at the end of the day, five to ten people could have looked at your song and we all come up with the best the best possible trend for it. And basically, once we have that trend, we figure out which influencers are going to fit mm-hmm. for your song. So, you know, yeah. we, we can target 50-50 men and women if it's sort of like a very unisex sort of vibe and, and, yeah, yeah. and message in the trend. We could target all women. We could target all guys. Um, and, and that's what we do. And let me talk to you about one thing that comes to mind. And I'm sure it's an artist's mind is, okay, Adam, you're telling me you know, find my hottest single, make the hottest single. Okay, I have this one. Here we go. There's this one part that I feel good about, but let's say they don't meet an Adam and a great person like you. They don't make, a lot of times they don't have that budget, right? When considering a snippet of their song, 10 to 15 seconds, what should they be thinking about as far as trends? Because there's so much, or should you not think about it, you should just create your own and let other people do it. Because you know how when TikTok, we always see people use, recycle songs and use them for different meanings right like i'm trying to think of one right now but there, there's too many i can't <laughs> but like they always like reuse them so should they try to just stick to like one idea or create their own or should they just kind of let other people do it for them because i feel like that's kind of like the thought process that that sometimes they go through that could lead to analyst paralysis or whatever <laughs> yeah analysis paralysis yeah there we go yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's a good question. I mean, look, there there are a lot of different ways. I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's a learned skill. You have to spend a lot of time on TikTok. You have to look at all the songs that are trending and you have to sort of figure out what all those songs is kind of it's kind of like data crunching. Like what I mean by that is you might want to look at 30 trends, 30 songs that are trending look at what they did for the trend, look at what part of the song they used, look at how they used it. You know, was it a dance trend? Was it a POV? Was it a caption on the screen? And then like punchline joke type of thing. Right. Uh, right. There's a ton of stuff you can do, but you kind of got to go through all that data, which is what I do and my employees do. Right. And TikTok it almost, gonna, yeah. Yeah. And it almost sounds like mind mapping. Uh, well, you mind map it, right? You put it out. How it's data is we're going to literally think of words that come out. Just the first thing we think about when we see that action happening. So it's funny, it's sexy, it's uh, bold, or just words like that that can come out 
that can translate to an idea. Like, where are people liking to see? Um, and I, that's kind of what I think. Because I've done data where it's quantitative, where people fill out surveys, and you didn't ask, like, a 1 through 10 scale. You ask, like, give us a, a response in a sentence, right? And you, you, you see what words are they often using and then with those words they're using or what with things people are seeing and liking, that's what you kind of like yeah. formulate your, uh, I guess you could say your snippet from and, and use that. That's a really smart way to think about it. It's it's one of those things where you can't really get it down to like a one to 10 type answer or a yes or no answer. It's one of those things where you have to listen to every single trait of everything that's trending and mind map it out for yourself to really understand it. Or you have to hire someone like me or like a professional TikToker. TikTokers kind of get it just inherently because they're dealing with all that. One piece of advice I give artists for the snippet, if you know any artists are listening, try not to use parts of the song that are too wordy or have too much going on. If you really look, one one like thing that I've noticed across trends, like for the majority of trends, it's usually parts where it's like not too many words happening and it's sort of like a lead up with the production you know there's a there's a song we did a few months ago it's called uh fmrn by an artist named lily is that you we got her song over a hundred thousand people made videos to her song uh she crossed 30 40 million streams recently got a multi-million dollar record deal offer uh but her song fmrn stands for fuck me right now and her trend is literally it's so simple but it's so perfect it's like a lead up where uh you just have like a person with like words on the on the screen describing someone so so let's say it's like a hot girl and she's like when he has a six pack and like and is like a skateboarder or whatever and it'll just have that and then it'll be like Can you come fuck me right now? (laughs) So what's good about that is it's simple. It's literally you have that first six or seven seconds leading up to it um, where people are looking at the words and it's like, what is she about to say about this person with a six pack who skates? And then it's like, you come fuck me right now. And then it's so it's brilliant and simple. It's so angsty too. It's things that people think about, but are almost ashamed to share that out loud. But it's a platform where you could do that. No one's going to judge you. People are going to be like, we thought that too. That's kind of funny. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And that's what you want. Uh, You know, kind of like Occam's razor, which is like the simplest explanation is usually the correct one. It's the same for TikTok. It's usually the simplest trend is gonna be the easiest one like if you hear if you see the trend and you can just think of something real quick and you're like that flows that seems easy that's usually gonna be the right one but once again it's it's a learned skill and the only way to learn it is to spend a shit ton of time on tiktok looking at trends or to hire someone like like me awesome well let's uh i want to get to the last question before we end it with our segment so often leaders are asked to share the best advice that they received, but I want to reverse that question for you, Adam. Can you share a story about advice that you received that you wish you never followed? That's a hard one, actually. Uh, yeah, you know what? Um, okay, I think I got something here. Look, I've been my whole life, and I think it's probably due to undiagnosed ADD, but grow, growing up in Chicago, growing up in the Midwest, I think 
it's been very looked down upon to be doing multiple things at once. So I've been giving the advice from pretty high up people, you know, in, in more more in the Midwest than like than in L.A. because I think it's more accepted in, in L.A. But I've been given advice of like you should just stick with one thing and do that. And so I think if I get if I could tell people some advice that I don't agree with and that I like wish I hadn't followed, like at some point, I think there was a point where I was trying to just do one thing. But that's not me. And I don't think that's it works for a lot of people. I say do as many projects as you can physically handle. I think the sweet spot is probably like three on the low end and five on the high end. I would say not to take on more than like five projects at once. And I would say like, you know, two or three on the low end. But that that's worked out for me. I'm a rapid launch media. My, which my company, we're working on a lot of really big pivots in 2022. We're actually working to produce a film. Uh, we've got some really great talent attached. We, we, uh, we're working on a screenwriter uh, who works for a really major uh, TV show that's about teen oriented. So we're, we're getting into film production. Uh, we're looking also at signing our own artists to the record label. Um, and we're looking at NFTs. Um, we've, we've started, started posting, um, my work as NFTs just to sort of get, uh, sort of feedback and start to understand the, the system. But what we're also doing is we're getting other artists and other influencers that, that want to get into the NFT space, but don't understand it yet. We're offering a way to get them involved and basically they don't have to pay us. We take a percentage of, of only the money that they make if they sell their work uh, mm -hmm. in exchange for teaching them how how all the NFT platforms work, how to market their that's work cool. and do everything. So so that's that's kind of a prime example. Well, you know, my Rapid Launch Media is expanding to do those three to five different things, but they're all sort of entertainment related and mm -hmm. art related. And uh, that's my advice. Do as many things as you think you can handle and uh, don't let anyone tell you that you got to you know, just be a master of one thing. You could master four or five different things. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that, Adam. This next segment is called Mind Your Business. So it's where we take pre-selected questions from our listeners and ask them to our entrepreneurs. And as a listener, we take the burden of asking those set of questions that you may be shy about to ask an entrepreneur, or maybe afraid of how they're going to respond. Well, this is where I come in. Mm -hmm. I do it for you. And okay. for those tuning in, um, I know I had a question. Someone's actually watching in their question. They submitted it. So all questions got to be appropriate. However, nothing is left behind when it's about the business. So lastly, our guest, you, Adam, you have the option to answer on the spot or tell us, mind your business. But tell yeah. us with conviction. <laughs> so the yeah. first question, um, Jermaine Thomas, he said, what if you do not match society beauty standards so I think that what he means by that is sometimes maybe like there's people that are on TikTok and sometimes you see a lot of times that it's maybe a person from a different background or does not like set that beauty standards because a lot of times we see very attractive people doing the dance moves or doing things like that. So like, how do you try to work your way around that? Uh, so, I mean, I don't personally think that's an excuse anymore. You can't use your obviously look being attractive is going to help in some regards in all industries, probably. But I don't think it's an excuse to say that as someone who finds himself or like society may not consider 
the uh, you know standard of of attractiveness. That's not an excuse anymore. I there are a ton of and TikTok has proven that there are a ton of people on TikTok who have created a following, uh, and them being not the beauty standard uh, is what drove them to getting all their followers. I mean, I've seen people with this chick with like no arms, like like nubs as her arms, and she dances, and she's a little you know she's a little bit bigger, and like people are like, you're amazing. Like I've seen this. They've been able to build a fan base, you know. People like the D's nuts guy, <laughs> like <laughs> D's nuts. yeah, that dude's you know has a ton of followers on on uh, yeah. social media. You got the guy who can put his mouth over his nose. You got the dude who can pop his eyes out. I've met and like shot content with all these dudes, and they're killing it. They're making yeah. a living off social media, which is the whole point. I think the goal for everyone should be: How can I make? Figure out what that number is. Maybe it's three thousand dollars a month. Maybe it's four thousand. Maybe it's five thousand. Whatever. Figure out how much you need to make per month, and that should be your goal. Like make that, or you know, like yeah. go, go on social media. And if you can make a living off social media, you know that should be the goal. And I think you can do that whether you're the beauty standard or not. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Next question is from anonymous. Do you need to have a specific sound to match TikTok? Every artist is different. And some artists might have unique sounds. No, <laughs> no. I've seen the craziest shit blow up on TikTok. Like I've seen everything. Like I've seen rock. I've seen pop. I've seen rap. I've seen fucking Russian songs blow up. I've seen, uh, <laughs> you know, like ev- a song from every genre, songs from different languages, songs sped up, songs slowed down or reverbed. That's that, true. That's yeah. all an excuse. That's all an excuse. Like, don't say like I make indie music; it'll never go well on TikTok. Like, it's an excuse. Any song can blow up if you pick the right snippet and you pick the right trend, uh, and and you as an artist can drive traffic to your song by yourself. It takes a lot of work. No one says it's easy. It's not. It's not nothing worth having is easy. But you as an artist can pick your snippet, play the song. Uh, use the trend and do it over and over again until you start to create that spark. And then you should reach out to influencers to see if they'll do the video. And if they won't hit me up, I'll get them to do it and I'll get you a, you know, a good, good rates for it. Awesome. Adam, thank you so much for being on our show. Tell our listeners how they can reach out to you. If they're looking to advice on starting their own digital media company, or maybe those artists that are in that social media space and feel free to throw any plugs in here. Uh, where people can reach out to work with you. Got it, got it. Uh, I mean, basically, I'm I'm pretty simple, guys. Like Instagram's always a great spot. My personal is it's Adam. That's I T S, and then Adam A D A M M. So Adam with two M's. And then my company, you can also DM us there. Uh, Rapid Launch Media. R A P I D L A U N C H Media M E D I A. Uh, same thing, email rapidlaunchmedia at gmail.com. That's pretty much it, guys. Like, I'd love, uh, you know, anybody who hears this, I'd love to uh, hear from you. And, you know, the my, my DMs are always open. Thank you again. And those that are tuning in, make sure to follow and subscribe to us on all streaming platforms, including our socials at Go Entrepreneur Yourself. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Now Spotify has a review system. So, Please leave us a review to be able to reach out and continue to get this content out to more people with these incredible stories, these entrepreneurs like Adam 
and know that you're always gonna get some digestible advice for you if you're looking to start your own business or for those that are looking to expand their business. Thank you again so much, Adam. All right, thanks a lot, John.